Let's love the Lord this morning. Pastor Moore's coming. Anointed Jesus, bless him. Oh, let's right put now. them together for Jesus this morning. I love you. The goodness of God that's been unfolded even I here today to reveal himself, to manifest himself, to fulfill his promise where two or three gather in his name, he said, I'll be there. I'll be in the midst, amen, to touch and to heal and to bless and to strengthen. What a God we serve this morning. It's none other but the one called Jesus Christ. God bless you. It's good to see you. You can be seated. Let our classes go back. God, we thank the Lord for our Sunday school department and Sunday school teachers and those that's taken out the time to invest into the next generation. It's the church not only of tomorrow but of today. But amen, how important it is to put the word of God into their hearts, into their spirit, God, to get anchored and settled and established. And what an exciting time we're going to have today. I'm going to take Brother Cade Roberts down in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And a water baptism as the word of God has instructed us to do. And out of faith and obedience unto it. Amen. Putting on Christ. Washing away the sins. Amen. Laying the right foundation and taking heed how we're going to build thereupon. I'm glad this church is still alive today. Amen. I'm not talking about just this local assembly. I'm talking about the church. The church of the living God. Amen. That can, that's going to stand against the gates of hell. The church of God that's going to survive and make the journey. The church of God, amen, that's not going to be overcome or deceived. The church of God that was fitly joined together, amen, by the heavenly Father, amen, put us together as his people, called by his name, washed by his blood, sealed by his spirit. I'm glad I got something got me sealed this morning. Hallelujah. Spirit, amen. Hey, this thing's more spiritual than what you really realize. If your eyes can be open this morning, you can see what's circling around this place, both in the, in the, in the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God and even the dark realms. It shake you and stir you. Hallelujah. It shake and stir all of us. But I'm glad I know the one that's the spirit of all spirits. I'm glad I know the one, amen, that can take life or give life. I'm glad I'm serving the one this morning that can raise up a nation or tear it down. I'm glad I know the one, amen, that loses Lucifer like a puppet on the swing. Hallelujah. There's nothing new under the sun for this God. He already knows. He's already got it mapped out. Amen. The goodness of God. Boy, I'm glad it's running after me. How about you? I love it when it catches up too. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Good to see you all in the house of God this morning. Good to see our guests. God bless each one of you. Come and be a part of this service with us this morning. Won't you just join in with us to love and worship the Lord. Magnify Him. Amen. Exalt Him on this Sunday morning. Amen. It's nothing like worshiping Jesus Christ in spirit and truth. Amen. That's what He's seeking for. Looking for a people that's willing to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not just in emotions and not just in some made up spirit, but in truth. Amen. That when we get our feet back on the ground, that we're willing to walk in truth. Amen. We have a passion and affection to do it. Amen. And when we're not, we're willing to hear the Spirit. And when we tried it, He wouldn't have got. We're willing to back up and repent and get it right and do it right. Amen. We don't try to tell everybody we're so perfect because we're not. The perfect one lives in us. Amen. With the measure of the Spirit. And with that measure, amen, to govern us. Amen. Anybody knows anything about you how to use your, your 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 systems amen to get direction in life and when you're going somewhere sometimes you can't really listen to it can you amen they say take a right here but there's no place to take a right but you don't have to worry about this true voice amen this true voice will always leads you right it's always there to beckon us and guide us and help us amen in the world that we're living in today and I'm telling you if it's ever been a time that we
we need to be praying for an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. It's this, this generation that we're living in today. Amen. Anybody excited about your lesson? Excited about the pity of God, the mercy of God? Anybody ever experienced the mercy of God? Have we shown that mercy? Amen. Thank God. Yes, we have. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody in here has shown mercy somewhere, somehow, in some measure. Praise God. You've received it. You've shown it. And you know, you have a little idea about it. So that's exactly what this lesson's all about when he talks about three days in the deep. Amen. He's just simply trying to get the man of God in a condition and a place. But there's a lot that we can learn from this lesson here this morning. A lot of different avenues and channels that we can go down. Brother Mitch, it's good to see you this morning. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The doctor told him he couldn't walk on it in two weeks. But, uh, you know, after a while, you know, when you get to feeling good enough and things of that nature, and your body tells you better, amen, I'm going to walk on it. Amen. You can't just sit around all your life. Amen. Sometimes you got to get up, and it may even be a little painful sometimes. But you know what? No pain, no gain. I know there's a balance to that. And when it gets where you can't handle it, that body, you know, it can. It hurt bad enough. You won't do it. You'll do something different. Amen. But if you can endure it, sometimes that's what you got to do. That's the same way you're living for God. Amen. You just got to make up your mind with all the resistance and all the things that may rise up against you. God's for you. And if God's for you, who can be against you? I believe God's for us today. How about you? I believe God's for his church. I believe God's for humanity. God's willing to save whosoever's willing. Amen. We're going to see this with Jonah. Amen. God was willing to save a city. Move upon a city that was corrupt. We're going to talk about it just a little bit. Everybody else you know, done marked it off. None of said yeah, there ain't no way. It's part of that Nimrod bunch. Go back and study it. Genesis, the 10th chapter. It's part of that association of cities of Nimrod. Some of the most vile and wicked. Amen. Some of the most polluted spiritual, amen, and political uh, systems that ever been set up. Right after you see that in Genesis 10, you're going to read about Babylon in Genesis 11th chapter. Nimrod and all that plays. And even in, in Genesis, it talks about Nimrod. Mighty upon the earth. But he used his gifting and callings, amen, for the wrong kingdom and for the wrong power. I've talked about that here lately in the past little while in the last basically the last six months amen what are we going to do with our gifting what we're going to do with our talents who are we going to use it for I want to use it for Jesus how about you amen he's the one that gave it to me he didn't give it to me to use it for the world and use it for myself he gave it to me to use it for his kingdom amen to walk in his beauty and grace and mercy so it's just a good lesson three days in the deep anybody love to be where Jonah was at anybody love to experience what Jonah experienced <laughs> praise God well, maybe not quite like that, but you know, everybody's going to to a certain degree. If you're going to be a soul winner, you're going to experience some things. If you're going to be a light to the world and a salt of the earth, you've got to go through some trials and tribulations and heartaches. That's one thing that's wrong with the church of our day and time. And if you listen to the denominal world, they think everything's hunkadory and everything's fine and you can just do what you want to. You ought not have no problems and no troubles. And In fact, the attitude of a lot of Christians because they call themselves a Christian, then why is me? Why should this happen to me? I'm a Christian. Well, why shouldn't it happen to you? You're a Christian. Let's see how you handle it. That's a real test. It's how we respond to it, how we handle this thing. As a Christian, 
as following Jesus Christ. He had to bear a cross. You've got to bear a cross. I've got to bear a cross. Everybody's got a cross. Everybody's going to have a battle, amen, and a struggle. Everybody's got to face temptation. Everybody's got to face the devil. Everybody's got to face the spirits of this world. Amen. But you know what? God's looking for a church. Amen. That in the midst of this. You know why, you know why Jonah needed to go through that? Just so he could show some pity. How many likes to show pity? Well, I ain't getting much of a response here this morning. Y'all show me some pity and start responding here this morning. <laughs> Praise God. No, we show compassion and mercy. Pity is mercy. Compassion. You know, sometimes, now we don't want to have old pity spirit on us all the time. But everybody deserves some pity sometimes. Deserves some mercy sometimes. Whenever you've done everything you could and you found yourself in a position or a place, and sometimes it, sometimes it is of your own choosing. Thank God that somebody's willing to show some pity and some mercy to help get you back on your feet and help me get back on my feet. Sometimes I can go in the wrong direction. Sometimes, you know, I, I get find myself bogged down in some things. Amen. I just made the wrong turn. I just, I just you know, you know, intent or, or not. Sometimes you do it with intent. Sometimes you do it out of ignorance. There's a difference. <laughs> Praise God. How many has ever looked at something and said, man, if I'd have just known, I wouldn't have done this. I'll tell people a lot of times, I can tell you how a couple of ways not to do it. I may not know the best way of doing it, but I can tell you a couple of ways, don't, don't try this. Don't waste your time. It won't work. I promise you, I know. I've been there. Amen. Don't try this or that, but try this maybe. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's the way of living for God. Best thing to do is sell out. Best thing to do is call on Jesus. Best thing is always pray. Pray about everything. That's what the Bible says. So that's what we want to do. Three days in the deeper focus verse is going to be found in Jonah 4 and 4. We're going to talk about these four chapters probably to full extent to the best we can. This is really going to be the, the whole plateau of this thing this morning. Platform of this, amen, is out of Jonah. This letter, it's written, amen, to the city that he's going to. We'll talk about it just a little bit, amen, and some of the history of it just for a certain, uh, you know, not, not a whole lot there, but, um, but enough to help us understand. Understand maybe some of them talking about even with Jonah why he, he would be hesitant about and possibly he wasn't just hesitant about going. I don't think it was much as the going as much that he had faith in the God that he was going to go preach about that those people were subject to repent. And if they was willing to repent, he knew he knew God well enough that God would show them mercy and show them compassion, amen, and not destroy them. But he wanted them destroyed. Man, the New Testament writer comes along and tells us vengeance belongs to God. And so that's the reason you and I have to be careful sometimes when we get hurt. Amen. And we become attacked or some of our loved ones become attacked. Amen. We want God. Hey, get them, God. Wipe them out. We see at times where David prayed that. The enemy that come past around him. Amen. To, to bring them to an end. But, you know, on the same token, the same time, we also got to understand we're serving a God that knows all things. He knows the intents of the heart. Knows our lives. And so God's really in the business of saving humanity. All of humanity. It doesn't matter where they come from. It don't matter who they are. It don't matter what color of skin they, 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 they got. It don't matter, you know, what, what uh, uh, direction they come from. The God is of the highest or the lowest. God's in the business of saving humanity. God gets no glory out of the wicked dying. He gets glory out of pulling us out of the miry clay. He gets glory out of pulling us out of darkness, both out of religion and out of the sins of the world. God gets glory, amen, revealing himself, manifesting himself, amen. And the best way he's going to do that is through you and 
I, as witnesses of his kingdom, as witnesses of his power, a witness of his saving power. We're examples, amen, that he can save. Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners. Amen. You know, as he watched the, if you watch his progress, he talks about being an apostle and all that. But at the end of it, he begins to talk about being the chief of sinners. And if he can save me, he can save anybody. Amen. God's in the saving business. And so that's what we're going to see here this morning in this lesson. Hallelujah. The pity of God, the mercy of God, the power of that mercy. And it's a process. Amen. It's an evangelistic process of what God's intent. Amen. To save humanity regardless of how long they've been in wickedness. How long it's been established in wickedness. When the preacher, when a man of God goes, it's anointed of God, the sin of God, by the anointing of God, by the power of God, regardless of how wicked that city is, regardless of who's ruling it, who's the government, amen, who set it up, who started it, even if it was a Nimrod. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ trumps them all. The gospel of Jesus Christ, hearing the gospel, believing on this Jehovah God, amen, whenever you hear it and respond to it, God will make all the difference in the world. So as we look at this, our lesson text is a focus verses found in Jonah 4 and 4. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? Well, he's going to talk about this a couple of times with Jonah. Doest thou well to be angry. Amen. Anybody ever get angered? You ever get angry about something? You ever get frustrated? Some of y'all looking at me like, man, I ain't about to move. <laughs> Praise God. If you got breath in your lungs, I'm sure you get aggravated and get come angered. Get disliked about what somebody done or how somebody done. Even God. <laughs> Even God. Where you at, God? You ought to not showed up, man. You ought to not busted their hide. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> so here we are, the truth about God. God's grace and mercy extend to everyone. His mercy and grace Extend it to everyone. It's God's will for everybody to hear the gospel. To be to to experience Pentecost. To experience the Holy Ghost. This is a promise from God. That's not a promise from man now. That's a promise from God, from the Word of God. If you believe this as the Word of God, and we do, I thank God that God had men that was holy men. Godly men that could be inspired, that could be moved upon, that take the time to start writing and recording. I know, I know if you want to look for some loopholes, you can start looking for them. The the recordings and the translations and one thing after another. But that's what the purpose of the Holy Ghost is all about. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, he said, not for them not to fret and worry about what they're going to say. Said the Holy Ghost will give you within the hour. It will fill your mouth within the hour. Now that doesn't exempt us. Paul come along and taught us. Amen. Is the apostle of the Gentile to study and told Timothy study to show yourself approved unto not man. We're not in this to impress men with our abilities and talents. We're in this, Amen, to prove ourselves unto God. As we studied the word of God rightly. And watch it. It it doesn't say studying the word. It says study. Amen. What the word of God for? To rightly divide the word of truth. There's a lot of people dividing the word of God. 
But there's a difference in dividing what we call the word of God. These 66 books. And the word of truth. Letter killeth, but spirit gives revelation, gives the insight. The Holy Ghost leads and guides us into all. Not some, not part, but all. And so if the, there is an absence of the Holy Ghost, then the only resources we have outside of that is our own abilities and giftings that God gave us. And that may be through a, a good mind, a good healthy sound mind, and education. But education will never reveal truth to you. You can forever learn the scriptures and quote the whole Bible and still miss the plan of salvation and the revelation of truth. Paul's a good example of that. Okay? So, now all of that's being said because if you read the lesson, or maybe not the lesson, but if you read the four chapters of Jonah, there is a little key verse in there. That talks about these Ninevites. Not knowing one hand from the other. God. Now. Well, I'm, creation itself has a voice. It's what the psalmist has taught us. And creation itself sends out every day across the lands. That there is a God. And so with that, there ought to be something that's created in every one of us. A longing, a voidness to want to know this God. To want to know this creator. Now there's a lot of opinions, a lot of so-called made gods and multitudes of gods. But there is a one God. There is a Savior. There is a plan that God set up even before the very foundation. Before he ever formed the first Adam. The second Adam was already in the makings. Already in the plan. Even though it's going to be 4,000 years later before he ever walked upon this earth and upon this creation. God, amen, had it already mapped out plan. It's what the writer says. Before the very foundations of the world, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe that Jesus Christ was created in his, in his fullness as far. He's a man standing up there. No, you had to have an earthen vessel to bring forth this manifestation. This vessel that's going to be without measure of the spirit. Amen. To first of all, to pay the price. To give him the rights to stand. Watch, listen to what I'm fixing to say. If you go back to the tabernacle plan and the process... Amen. What procedure it had to go through. Now it's going into a heavenly and it's a spiritual one. Old Testament is physical. New Testament is spiritual. Our high priest is Jesus Christ. That's in the throne room of heaven right now. That's the reason he couldn't be touched and handled. Until he presented himself. As that sacrifice. Bringing that blood sacrifice. Breaking that, 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 that debt that only he could pay. That now that whosoever will. It's a call on him. That's what the scripture is so plain about calling on him, crying out to him. When you really begin to do that with your whole heart and all your being, you can find him. You'll know him. God will see to it. God's going to send. So we're going we're gonna to watch this. Watch this. Truth for my life. I will rejoice in God's mercy to my 
self. I rejoice in the mercy of my God when he blesses my wife. Oh, when he blesses my enemy. Oh, wait a minute now. That's what he's saying. To Jonah, Nineveh was an enemy. To Jonah, he felt like they, was, they deserved everything that was rightly coming to him. So, we watch this. I'm not going to use a lesson. I'm just going to use scripture this morning, if y'all don't mind. And uh, we'll talk a little bit, and then we're just going to uh, just go through the scriptures themselves and, and, and unfold what Jonah experienced and uh, the reason why. And, and the different, um, some, some, no doubt, some key verses and some things that uh, unfolded in this process. One thing, the mercy of God himself willing to work with the man of God. Now, he was a man of God. This is not the only time that Jonah's brought out in Scripture. Actually, if you go to 2 Kings 14 and 25, I believe it was. It says, 2 Kings 14 25, it talks about restoring of the coast of Israel. And this fulfillment happened. It took place by what? According to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of the Amatite, the prophet. Okay? So we, we realize that, that, you know, most time we think of Jonah, we only think of this letter that was written, as some would put it, the third person he wrote about him, himself. What unfolded and what had transpired. So Jonah had been around for a while and been successful. Amen. As a prophet of God and being used of God. And now Jonah is being called upon to go to Nineveh. Now Nineveh, as I done mentioned, if you go back to Genesis, the 10th chapter. Uh, you read there of an association of cities that was formed and created by none other but uh, Nimrod and by that association. And if you'll do a study on that, such as the city of, of Nineveh. Nineveh was an, a, 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 one of the largest cities of the time upon the earth in the time of Jonah. This city had been around for generations upon generations. This city had built gardens, had built temples and tabernacles and cathedrals and places and its government. In fact, it was so large that some estimate that it was some 60 miles in circumference around this city. Taking in much territory and buildings and the likeness of this. And so one of the wonders they talk about are the seven wonders of the gardens in this. So there's just a lot to be said about Nineveh and this particular city and the setup of this city. And it's amazing to me how God, because watch this, if you can also go on, it's later on that Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned and how the, the cities that God's willing to come down and visit them because of their evilness and wickedness that's going on in 
in these cities. And so, you know, Nineveh, no doubt, is likened unto one of them. Because of, out of all the commentaries that you read about this and that I've read, and not very many, but a few, and even of the premier Bible that I've got of the one God, apostolic man that has written. Amen. There's nobody ever says anything about Nineveh building a tabernacle for God. Having a church facility at all. Out of all the building and the size of it. And the multitude which there is an estimation. Believing that during Jonah's time was some 600,000 people in this city. So now we're getting a little better idea of the size of this city. History. They tell us that. This city was known that it didn't put up with some, especially far as like if preachers or ministers of those that tried to come to bring the news or the good tidings of this Jehovah God. That they was bones piled out in the front and out of this city where even not, not only with ministers, even some of the political leaders that didn't do things like they wanted to. So they was very harsh toward people. And cruel. They, they wouldn't be hesitant about taking someone's life or whatever they thought was just and proper. Amen. If you didn't see it the way I see it, amen, I'd just take you out, pal. Amen. If I held that position in place as a ruler, as a king, amen. And so this is the city that we're talking about. Much evilness and wickedness and lewdness that went on in this city. And, and dictated and controlled, no doubt, amen, by the monarch of forces. If, if you read anything about it, it ties all this in, both in the spiritual realm and political realm. It was, it was set up by demonical forces and powers of evil. And so now for Jonah to be called upon to go to this particular city, all the ministers and scholars, amen, likens unto this, amen, that this is the reason that maybe some that he was hesitant. But really, when you read Jonah and his writings, I see more leaning toward Jonah knowing that God... If I take this message and obey your voice, the chances are real good, amen, that they're going to repent. And you're a very long-suffering and a very merciful God, and you're going to show them pity. And so he decides to turn the opposite direction. So when you go into the first chapter of, of Jonah's writings here and the call is upon him to go, amen, to Nineveh, which is to the east. Actually, Jonah decides to go right the opposite. Now remember something, even in the New Testament, no man can come to God unless his spirit draws him. I believe it worked the same way in the Old Testament. As his spirit draws, as he anoints. The difference between the Old and the New Testament, the spirit moved upon them. It didn't move in them. It would move upon them. And then those times when God had commissioned them and anointed them to fulfill the task that was before them was under this inspiration, anointing, and moving of the Spirit. You can see this even with Moses. Amen. The meekest man on the face of the earth. And then God, whenever he talked about the business and under Jethro and his advice and the 70. But God, if you read it close, you're going to see where God took the Spirit that was upon Moses and moved upon that same, moved that Spirit upon the 70. 
So there's an anointing and a moving of that spirit. And boy, when you go into the New Testament and you start talking about the Holy Ghost and that measure of the Spirit of God and that anointing that comes with it. And understand that's the reason you and I becomes the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That's the reason that you and I can walk into situations when the political realms and when, when medications and when all the resources and the powers that earth and earthly men's got can't do anything about it. But you can get a Holy Ghost filled child of God that knows how to hear the voice of God and walk in the powers of his faith, the powers of his promises. When the situation seems like there's absolutely no other way out, but there's always a way with God. God makes a way where there seemed to be no way. He's just got to have somebody to carry the message. He's got to have somebody to lay their hands on them. He's got to have somebody that's willing to north the oil. He's got to have somebody that's willing to obey the scriptures as God gave them to us. I'm not trying to add or take from, neither to take his glory. Humble ourselves and yield ourselves and understand and, and realize that this is not me. This is God. This is a God thing, not a man thing. Don't elevate the man. I want to be careful with that. I know what bias, and I know I always talk about this, but, but I'm telling you, we've got to be careful. When you're used of God, you better be careful. You better get your guard up. You better, better watch because the enemy's going to attack with full force. and He's going to try his best to see, and that ain't all. This old man here got a lot of work on the pride. Got a lot of ways he, he reasons within his own self. The way he likes for it to happen. The way he likes for it to unfold. And his time and his season. <laughs> Praise God. So, you're going to notice something about Jonah. I think it's about four times in the first chapter. So from this point, he may have whenever, now watch this. Anytime any of us, doesn't matter who we are. Holy Ghost sinner, it don't make it don't make any difference. When God starts beckoning, when God starts pulling for us, when God's spirit and his presence starts woeing and moving for us, and our lives are orchestrated and bring around to be make contact with one God people and uh, those that know truth. I promise you God's pulling for your soul. I promise you God's pulling for your life. God's giving you an opportunity. And so, but it's up to the individual. What they're going to do whenever they start hearing this and responding into it. Amen. And so here, Jonah, as a Holy Ghost prophet, amen, as I should have made a Holy Ghost, but, but as a prophet of God, had been used of God, amen, but within himself, he didn't want to fulfill that. He wanted to go the opposite. So he, he turns and goes away from the presence of God. If you read the scripture closely, as he goes his way to Tarsus now, and down to... And there's six downs that takes place before for Jonah finally reached the pit and reached the bottom. One way to measure whether or not a man, um, if, you're, if you know within yourself, and you know what, I believe a lot of times we do. We can say what we want to. But I believe inside a lot of times we know when we're doing what God don't want us to do. We know that we're walking opposite of what he's beckoning and pulling for us to do. And, and, and so we could tell by that downward spiral and things. that God is using means and, and methods to correct and to turn us around. To give us, us to understand the direction we're going. What we're headed into. But you're going to watch with Jonah here this morning. In this process. 
that this evangelist, in fact, if you had a premier Bible, if you'll go and study that first three-quarter of that first page on Jonah, they done a lot of writing about evangelisticism, about even from Israel, because that's what they were supposed to have done. Genesis, the 12th chapter with Abraham, Father Faith, those that he blessed and those that he cursed or cursed him and blessed him. And so all this and all the all what that was about, what Israel's responsibility was, was to introduce this one true God to the rest of the world. But they failed to do that. In fact, even after Moses had warned them and instructed them and going into that promised land, they let the other nations influence them. They began to bow down to their gods and worship and take on their styles and types of worship. That struggle hadn't been, that struggle is not to an end tonight or this morning. It's still, that same battle still here. Amen. That, that same responsibility of how we worship and who we worship and, and the methods that we use to worship. Amen. Our giftings, our talents, our abilities. Amen. Because we, this is where we got to be careful. I think we got to be careful allowing to the world to try to become that cutting edge of, of, of instructing us on how to have the church. How to have a move of God. On how to walk in the spirit. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. The world should never be the cutting edge for the church. The church ought to be the cunning edge for the world. This is how you ought to have church. This is how you ought to yield yourself and humble yourself and give yourself over to the moving of the Spirit. Because you and I both know this morning without the moving of the Holy Ghost, without the moving of the Spirit of God in a service, it's dread, dead and dried and nothing happens. But oh, if you can get the moving of the Holy Ghost, if you get the power of God begin to operate moving among us. And sometimes God will use people that you never dreamed of. I remember, amen, I I believe it was Brother, Brother Ewing, my memory serves me right, Brother Ewing talking about he had an elderly sister. Said she couldn't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket. Amen. But said, buddy, on them service got where they were so tight and nothing would happen, especially probably after two or three of them. Man, he said, he said, I'd get that old sister to come up and sing. He said, and I'm telling you now, she couldn't sing. Amen. But she said it wouldn't. He said not once, but she said several times. Said whenever she come up and began to sing, began to sing one of them old songs and said she wouldn't be in tune by my long way. Said sometimes the instrument players even struggle try to find her, try to get with her. Amen. He said, but it wouldn't me but just a little while. He said things are beginning to break them. Things are beginning to loosen up. Said the power of God began to move. Said first news, you know, it said there'd be a one over here and another over here and after a while. He said it'd be a breakout. So you see, man thinks, well, let's use the most, most talented ones. Man thinks, let's use the one. Amen. How many of you ever heard the statement or made the statement, he don't look like president material? You're making that complete judgment by the outward appearance of him. Don't know anything about, amen, his intellectual ability. Don't know anything about his spiritual condition. Now I tell you what we ought to do, amen, because I agree to a certain degree, amen, amen, by some people's name and by their appearance and by some of their actions, they ought to be disqualified to run for the president of the United States of America or any other office. Now that's just my opinion, but if you go back to, to the Constitution, you'll find out also in that Constitution, there's some things that ought to automatically disqualify individuals to run for the office in the United States of America because their actions and their deeds, amen, and what they're giving themselves to is going to sell us out. And so that's the same way it ought to be in the house of God and the work of God. That's the reason you and I have got to make a stand and pre-ministers got to make a stand against sin and unrighteousness. You can't let them come in the pulpits. You can't let them take on leadership. You can't take them and allow them to go into your Sunday school rooms. Well, you hate them. No, we don't hate them. We love them enough, amen, to do what we can to see them correct, correct their ways. Because by the word of God, not by my word, but by the word of God, they in error. And the word of God 
God gives you and I the right, amen, to tell them you're in error. And when you're in error, I got the responsibility and you've got the responsibility, amen, to let them know with love and kindness and gentleness, you're in error this morning. And you're in jeopardy with God. And I don't want to get on all that because we're going to talk about, you're talking about pity. And see, this is where Jonah was struggling at. Where he's, he's wrestling with because of this city. Of its wickedness and vileness and ungodliness and, and the history of it. Now, this wasn't just, it ain't just happened the last few days with it. It's been around a long time. Now, if you go back to Genesis 10, you're going to see it's been around a long time. Unfolding for a long time. But so, so as he sent them, we begin to watch Jonah, amen, as he begins to make this, this, uh, begin this journey, amen, to go. And he makes his way to Tarshish. So he's going to get into the ship. Notice when he gets into the ship. Notice the fourth verse says, And the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Uh, many of them, if you do any study on that, they call it a hurling wind. God sent it out. The Lord sent it. He sent one through here Monday night. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Mr. Keith told me that morning before, that Monday morning. He said, man, he said, they tell him predicting that some of these winds could be up to 74 miles an hour. I told him, I said, man, they need to name that thing. That's a hurricane. They need to put a name on it. Praise God. And it did. I don't know how fast it got. It got bad enough. I'm glad it didn't get any, any worse than what it did. But anyway, hey, man, I'm still picking up limbs. <laughs> my, my. I don't know if God thinks that fun or what, but <laughs> I'm going to get you bending one way or the other. <laughs> Well, praise God. That's why you get on your hands and knees. You're tired of bending. Get a rake. But anyway, as we march on here, we're going to watch and see. So the Lord sent a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty, what is called a mighty tempest in the sea. So that the ship was unto what? To be broken. Man, it's about, can't hardly stand it, man. I'm, I'm talking about this storm. Now watch this. If you read about the mariners here, they realize, hey, this is, this is something. And they actually call it evil at this point. But they realized, man, it done got serious. They knew that this wasn't a normal wind. Just like that Monday night wasn't a normal January wind. I don't ever experience such a wind or such a storm like that. Amen. I know I ain't been around that long. But anyway, but still, some of the weather changes that we've been having the last few years is nothing but a fulfillment of the Bible. We just need to wake up to some of that and realize that's what God's doing. Hallelujah. Because you know what? God's not trying to slip in the back door. God's not trying to come as a thief. God's doing everything he possibly can to warn people. Amen. And get them ready. Because that's what God wants to be. That's just like you and I. Amen. How many of you have been getting ready for a freeze? When you care about people and wonder about them, brother, keep churches walking around out here. You say, hey, how many spigots we got out here? We want to make sure they're covered up. We don't want them to freeze up. We don't do what we can to protect them. So that's the same attitude and the same spirit you and I need to have because the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. We know that. Now, don't listen to that line, spirit. Amen. And don't keep listening to that spirit. It's going to be enough. No, he's coming. You can bake on it. And here's the thing. You and I have got to get ready. Just like the storm, it's going to come. You know, they predict storms are going to come sometimes. And sometimes they don't come quite the way they ought to because somebody out prayed somebody else maybe hopefully I don't know hallelujah but I know a God that rules and reigns in all of them I know a God can put an angel out there and shove them wherever he wants to I know a God can shut them down amen I know they're trying to come up with ways but you know the best thing that you and I can do is get on our faces and call out to God God we need some help there's some spiritual storms that's taking place in America that we need some Holy Ghost help and only God can help us and only truth can help us and that's what we need to happen but so watch this those on that ship knew hey this is not normal Man, they begin to bow to their gods or call out to their God, make sacrifice. But what did Jonah do? The Bible says he went down the sides of the ship. Went to sleep. 
when everybody else is rocking and rolling and praying and doing what they can to survive, he's down there asleep. The captain of the ship goes down and wakes him up and said, man, what's the deal? To seek your God, your God may answer. Sacrifice, call on your God. And finally they cast a lot and said, hey, we've got to find out who's causing this trouble. This is not normal here. There's something caused this. So they cast lots and come to find out. Here's Jonah, man. Sticks up. He's the one. They begin to question him. Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do? Well, I'm a Hebrew. I believe in Jehovah God that created the heaven and the earth. And then he topped it off. I'm a preacher. I'm a prophet. And he went on to tell them. You're going to see later on there if you read it on. Man, he, he let them know that I'm running from the presence of God. And he gives them the answer of what to do. He says, all you got to do is throw me off of this boat. Throw me off of this ship. But they weren't willing. They was afraid. They was afraid of him. They was afraid of the God that he was serving. And so for a little while, they, they wouldn't do it. They said, no, we're going to try to get you to land at least. You know, Man, I could just see them over rolling up things. Man, they're doing everything. And the Bible says the wind becomes more, more violent. With greater resistance against them. God wasn't going to let them get that ship to land. You know, God can't stop us. It doesn't matter how much mind over matter, how much fasting, how much praying, how much begging. If it's not God's will, hey, it's not going to happen. And you know what? Some people need to quit blaming the devil. The devil wasn't big enough to stop it. God was the only one big enough to stop it. The devil's not big enough. He can deceive and lie to us, but he can't. And he can hinder us, but he can't stop the will of God. Not when the vessel's willing to go in the will of God. That's the reason Jonah said, if you'll just throw me. And finally, they come to conclusion and said, hey, we don't have no, we don't throw tackle over. We've done everything we can to get this thing to some land. But, but hey, it's nothing. So finally, they take Pitch old Jonah. And I believe as soon as he went over the side of that boat. Son, storm was over. The waves, the rain, the wind, the rocketing. In such a manner and a way. Now watch the first episode of evangelism taking place. That those on that boat began to make sacrifices and making vows unto this Jehovah God. He said, hey, this is a God thing. You know what the church needs in our day? We need some God visitations and some God encounters and some God notable miracles. We need some God transforming powers. Some God regenerating powers to captivate our minds and our hearts and our spirit. Did you know that everybody's held captive by the enemy? Come on, come on, the Bible told us. Captive taken captive. We've all, we're all held captive by sin until we receive a new law. Until there's one called Jesus Christ come and takes the captive captive. There's only one way out of this. And that's Jesus Christ and Him only. And that's to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what that gospel is of death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That's the foundation. That's the only way, amen, for your mind not to be held captive 
by the enemy. And it'll keep you from being deceived and misled. Okay? So when it moves from that, now we see that, uh, again, that, that Jonah's going down. He's going down. Because the Bible said that God prepared a fish. Jesus, in the New Testament, called it a whale. Man, but God prepared a fish just for Jonah. You know, I could just see that. That, that ship going all over. It's been shaking all over that place. You know? That old whale. That old whale probably got a little sick. What in the world? What's going on? And all of a sudden. Well, how'd you like that? God can make you a prayer room. Like nobody else. God can make us a prayer room. One phone call. One incident. Just that quick. Just like he did for Jonah. Made that prayer room. A lot of people may would have just give up. Say there's no need. There's no sense in praying. Come on folks. Listen to me this morning. Don't ever underestimate the power of sincere prayer. Of earnest prayer. Doesn't matter how far in the, in the darkness you may feel you're at. How far in, how in deep, in the deep, man. I'm talking about in a place. And, 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 and so Jody talks about it. He talks about being at the foundation of the mountain. He talks about being at the point, the place of the bars of the earth encircling him and holding him forever. I mean, he's doomed. There, there's, there's only one that's going to get him out of this situation. There's only one that can deliver him. And so, and I'm not sure how he, he maneuvered himself in that old belly of that old, that old well. Amen. That fish that had been prepared. Amen. But we do know when he gets there, he takes the seaweed and wraps it up around his neck. And, and you could just imagine the smell and everything. If they, I mean, come on. If anything could have distracted you from praying, it could, have, it could have Jonah. But you know what? He made up in his mind. I'm going to get a hold of this God. And he begins to cry out and pray unto this Jehovah God. Turned his his face toward the temple of this Jehovah God. He began to cry out. And God heard his prayer. Heard his honesty and his sincerity. Praying for his mercy. Praying for his compassion. Because he knew that only God could deliver him out of this situation. Folks, we've all faced them. Sometimes you may be driving down the road and you don't have time to say nothing but Jesus. But sometimes that's all it takes. Jesus, turn that situation around. Then there's other times it's going to take some time. It's going to put some effort. You've got to get into that vein. You've got to get into that channel. Some things it may take a little while to get there. It may take an hour. It may take two hours to finally get into that place of the Spirit. Get into that avenue of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. But with sincere and honest prayer, seeing a change to make place. Amen. For loved ones or friends or maybe for yourself. But as he began to seek God and cry out to him, God delivered him. Would you go to the third chapter? Because now God seen he repented. And uh, he's going to do what's right. And so God takes him. And now with this prepared fish, he takes him. Amen. And, and I don't know. I don't know enough about all of it. I know that the, the whale spit him out. I don't know if anybody was on the beach. 
I don't know if anybody was observing what was going on. But could you just imagine? You know, you was out there fishing, and all of a sudden a big whale pops up out there. And I'm, I'm talking about here comes a man hurling out of that thing. Comes rolling up on the sandbar beside you. Forty days. Judge of God's coming. And he started from there. I don't know if that guy followed behind him and said, you better listen to him. Because if you saw how he got here, I'm telling you, God brought him. <laughs> if you saw what I saw, amen. You, because if you watch this, now watch this. And so the word of God, now watch this. The message did not change. Can I say this? We don't go in prayer for God to change the message. Oh, Lord, help me right here. The message can't change. It's the same. And you and I, ministers, whoever, there's some things that's forever settled in heaven. The salvation plan. God's plan. And all the praying in the world is not going to change that. Okay? Okay? Jonah didn't ask him to change the message. Jonah's the one that had to be. And so now he experiences what? Mercy. Compassion. At the hand of God. So when he comes in the third chapter, he begins to make his way to Nineveh. And there a man, as we see, arise and go into Nineveh, that great city, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose. He went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days journey. This is what they're talking about, the, the 60 miles in circumference, a three days journey. Now you do it all that, whatever, but even three days, if you started at daylight and walking, amen, and you walk to the sunset and you get up the next morning and start in three days, that's a pretty good sized city. It's a pretty good sized city. And so, as he begins on that three journey, he begins to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, "Yet forty days, and then of us shall be overthrown." You know what? I preached on this some one time. He didn't put a lot of emphasis on this. I don't think he showed a whole lot of love. <laughs> Amen. I don't think he still wasn't, you know, ex- uh, giving a good example of the pity of God. But he would just point to the to the point and making his way through. Amen. Except you repent. Amen. Now watch the power of it though. You know where the real power is from? It wasn't really the individual. I know and thank God for charisma and I need a whole lot more of it than what I've got. I agree. A lot of, a whole lot of other things I need. But I'm going to tell you something. The real power of the message is the God of the message, not the messenger. Okay? Because if you read that closely, I, I don't think Jonah put not make the journey. Watch what he does now. But watch what happens. And so the people of Nineveh believed. Who they believe? God. In that fifth verse of the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. And put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne. Robed himself and covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he, he began to proclaim, amen. He began to make it, said, everybody. Now watch him. 
I'm not going to read all just for time's sake here because I don't have my time. He began to call on the fast and everybody. Nobody exempt. He's calling everything to come. Neither man nor beast heard a flock anything. Amen. Don't feed it. Don't you give it no drink. Why? Watch the next verse. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And there's the repentance. You've got to make a turning. You've got to make repentance about face turns. Turning. You've got to make a change when God convicts, when God moves, when God encounters, when God shows us, when God speaks to us. Amen. And you know, it's amazing to me, the, some of our old convictions has just kind of slipped away. We've allowed them to die out. That's some of the battle, the warfare that we're in today. Amen. Who can tell? Now watch that ninth verse. Watch that ninth verse. Who could tell if God will turn and repent or turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? If you remember, that's the reason those that was on that ship said, come on, let's pray. Let's call to God that we perish not. There's a God that can help us. If we can just get a hold of this God. We're going to, this, 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 this storm, this evil uh, tempest that's come against us, it's from God. But if we can get a hold of his mercy and grace, amen, we don't have to perish. And so here it is. A people, amen, I don't know how many have been sent to them before. I don't know all about all of that, how successful and all of that. That's, that's a, lot, a lot of history. And if there's anything I've learned from Bishop Odom the last couple of years in his studies, amen, he doesn't try to add or take it. He's very careful. And he tells you. I'm not going to assume, I'm not going to speculate, I'm not going to try to put dates, I'm not going to try to put individuals, I'm not going to put nations, he said, I'm not going to do all that. So that's a very dangerous thing to start trying to do. Changing outside of what the Word of God has given us. And so, here, as we, we watch this, as it unfolds, I, I, but God's mercy, God's grace, God's compassion, so this is what we're reaching for. Even though it's best we can tell by the, this city, there was no church. There was no preachers. There was not the first Christian, amen, or even a so-called Christian that was in this particular city. But yet we got children. We got innocent folks. And generation after generation, this is all they know. This is all they had been taught. And they didn't know anything. How many has ever heard the statement about somebody and said, well, if you knew where they come from, you'd realize they're doing very well. You knew where they was coming from and what they'd been exposed to and what they've, they've experienced and, and things of this nature. They are doing very well. And so as we watch this. So it finally comes, amen, God saw their works. God saw what? Better not listen to them cats out there that says that works won't save you. You're right. By his grace we're saved. But after we introduce and experience the plan of salvation, God expects us to do some works of righteousness. And I'm telling you, the New Testament is full of works of righteousness. Judge according to your works of righteousness. Your works of righteousness is going to make the difference of heaven and hell. That's pretty blunt, pretty plain, but it's the truth. And so he saw what? The works of righteousness in the Old Testament. He saw them returning. He saw them laying things, evil things, and, and violence and things. They begin to lay these things down. So when you pick up in the fourth chapter, amen, you begin. And I'm trying to get to key verses. We're going to get there. So in the fourth chapter, you begin to see where, where, where Jonah, he's, he becomes angry, amen. And he's displeased, amen. And not just displeased. The Bible says he's exceedingly, he's exceedingly displeased, amen, with what? With God and very angry with God. And so it says he prayed unto the Lord. So I guess sometimes you can pray when you're mad. And apparently God will hear you when you're mad. 
And when you're throwing a temper tantrum, if you'll just make it, you know, just go ahead and turn it into a prayer meeting, you can talk to somebody that can really do something about it. Now, he may slap me or you around a little bit first to get our attention, but anyway, but, but, but we prove right here that he's real responsive to him. What, what's happening to him? What's, what's God doing? He's showing Jonah mercy, showing him compassion, even with his ill way and, and ill manner of how he's handling all this, how he's responding unto God. And he goes on, he tells him, he said, this is the reason I went to Tarsha. This is the reason. I knew this is what she was going to do. What's he say about him? For I knew that thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. I, I knew you. Anybody ever read of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Gentle, kind, long-suffering, faith, joy, peace. Man, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, Watch him. Instead of getting over getting mad and getting all upset, he said, I'd rather die. Instead of dealing with this and dealing with these circumstances and all that, I'd just soon die. Can I go where we live sometimes? Instead of forgiving them and working it out with them, God, I'd just soon die. Instead of facing it and, and taking on the challenges of trying to talk to you and get your presence in it and let's work this thing out, I'd just rather die. In other words, if I can't have it my way, I just won't have it at all. That's such spirit. You know, the devil said we become as gods. We have the power to reason. We have the power of choice. And God's not going to force any of us to obey him. Even with the Holy Ghost. It'll beckon us. It'll woe us. He can try to correct us, and he'll try to lead us. But we can rebel against it. We can refuse to listen to it. We can use this, as I've heard us say sometimes. I know better, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness. That's a very dangerous spirit, though. When we willfully do things that's contrary to God, he does not have to forgive us. Okay, that's the difference. He's God. Now, he knows. He knows the limits. He knows. And thank God it's way out, you know. Thank God. Or none of us would make it. But he's a very merciful God this morning. He's a very caring God. And he's willing to work with us just like he's working with Jonah. And so, in this gets mad, Jonah goes outside the city, throws him up a little hut, a few branches, a few leaves, going to sit there. I want to see what's going to happen in 40 days. The Bible doesn't really say, and I don't want to put in there, but except, except the fact that he did tell him in 40 days. That this city was going to be destroyed. So I don't know if God let him sit out there 40 days. But we do know that God allowed a gourd to come up. In one night, one day, a gourd come up. Overshadow Jonah. 
this gourd. They're not sure what type of plant it is. But the Bible called it a gourd. And in one day, now you got to imagine this. He comes up and covers him from the sun. And it brings joy to Jonah. And he's, he's pleased and he's thankful. But then the next day, God raises up a worm. And he kills the gourd. And the gourd withers. And so now, Jonah's exposed to the sun. And God also creates what the Bible called an east wind. The east wind were known to be very blistering, hot, dry. They cause a lot of misery to an individual. So now here's Jonah found himself. The gourd has died. And, and man, he becomes angry. He becomes faint-hearted. He becomes weak. And again, Jonah begins to pray to die. To die. And so now when you get to the lesson itself, the last part of it, last three verses, God said to Jonah, Doest thy well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Sometimes we would rather pet our anger <laughs> and justify our anger. Even flan the flames of it, man. <laughs> Come on, I want you to get mad with me. Hook up, join up with me. A lot of times they're looking at you, what you so mad about? Well, I'm stepping on some. <laughs> you know why? Because we're all there sometimes. We all deal with it. How many, how many of us get their way all the time? How many ever get your way? They, that's, that's what I find amazing sometimes. I find people that say, they one time don't get it their way. I don't never get it my way. Well, you just got it the last 15 times. What do you mean you didn't get it your way? <laughs> Praise God. Often God blesses and helps us and works with us. But you know what? There's some things God just don't. He's not going to budge. He can't afford to. He wasn't going to pacify one and destroy an estimation of 600,000. Jonah could find pity over a gourd dying that he put no labor in. That he had cared for, attended to none. That's what, Paul, that's what God's telling him. But he could show more pity toward a gourd and a plant than he could Nineveh. And some estimated 600,000 souls. And so God finishes up. And should not I spare Nineveh? Anybody thankful this morning as you stand? I know my time's slipping away yet. As you stand. How many of you are thankful? How many of us are thankful for the sparing hand of God? How often? How often? And I know we fix and go back to baptismal service. And, and, uh, but how often God hand spared us how often God because remember that Jesus the one that taught us not only give the coat but give the cloak not only walk a mile but walk two miles 
Now we begin to get an idea. And time's not allowing me, but, but I could have took you to Matthew. And the parable there of Matthew, the 18th chapter, 23 through 35. It talks about the servant that came into the master. And it come time for him to give an answer for his indebtedness to him. And the, 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 the debt was, it was it, he couldn't pay it. It was, it was so great. It was, it was impossible for him to pay it. And so he took his wife and his children. He's going to put them all about. But he falls down and worships him and cries out for his mercy and pity upon him. And the master has pity for him and releases him. And the next day he's going down the street and this is God that owes him just a, a few dollars. He grabs him by the neck and he throws him down. He says, I want you to pay me. I want you to pay me right now. And he begins to cry out for him to have mercy and grace upon him. But he refuses. But he sends him, has him put into prison. And so those that's watching goes to the master, tells what happens. And the master calls that servant back in. He says, hey, I'd forgiven your, your debt in full. And you couldn't forgive your brother, your sister, your neighbor. Your enemy. You see, the scriptures taught us it's one thing to love our brothers and sisters and those that look like we look and act like we lack, believe like we believe. But what about those that don't? To show them mercy. To show them pity. To be willing to work with them. To be willing to love them anyway. I never want to get crossed up with somebody even over the gospel to the point that we can't be have a friendship. I didn't say I was going to deviate from the gospel of truth. But I, I pray that God would help me to handle it in such a way that he would have grounds, amen, to hate me for it. Because I wasn't wise in the choosing of my words and timing and season. Being led by God. To show mercy. To show compassion. How many is perfect here this morning? None of us. We serve the perfect one. We got his voice in our lives. We got his presence to help us. But we're still in earthen vessels. And sometimes, even when we try to do our best, it still just doesn't come out right. It just doesn't unfold. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's the other guy's fault. He just, you know, he maybe try to put words in it or add to it or take from it or just receive. Hey, that happens. I heard Bishop Oberon say this one time. He said, if the devil can, he's a prince of the air. He said, sometimes things I preach, and if he can, he's going to twist it and distort it. Saying it gets to your ears. You'll think I said something. I've had people come to me before and say, man, you really preached to me on this and that. And, and, boy, you think, and they never crossed my mind. I don't have a clue what they're talking about. I don't ask them, and I just hope they don't tell me. <laughs> they're better off, and I'm better off. It's a God thing. It's really a God thing. Because God can handle it. Because he already knows. He already knows. He knows our failures. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our battles. He knows our uprise and our downfalls. You know, God even not going to lead us into places that would tempt us to a point that we would fail. There's not a, a parent in this house 
I would strap a nine millimeter on your two or three year old and send them out in the yard to protect this place, boy. Come on, girl, you got to be a country girl. You got to be tough. You wouldn't do that. First of all, because you're scared they might shoot you. <laughs> but there's a time and a season. That's the same way we're living for God. Now watch this. If you know anything about Nineveh, right down the road, she totally became destruction. Because she went right back into her wickedness and evilness and ungodliness. But thank God for that generation and for that moment. Could it be that God in the record books now, I sent Jonah. I sent a man of God. I anointed him. Here's the, here's the deal. I ain't got time, but I can take you to Romans 10th chapter. and talks about the gospel. said, how can they believe a gospel unless they have heard it? And how can they hear it without a preacher? And how can he preach unless he is sent? See, Nineveh is going to be responsible because God sent Jonah. And Jonah wasn't going to get out of it, even though he'd done everything he possibly could to get out of it. No, this is a God thing, baby. You're going. One way or the other, you're going. Because this is a God thing. That the record books of heaven is going to have recorded. And so man's going to be without excuse. When that day we stand before him, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen. I've heard people say, I'm going to say this, I'm going to that. We ain't going to say nothing. I promise you. When you get in the right presence of God, you may have been in a lot of presence of a lot of people and a lot of people to influence you and things of that nature. But when you get in the presence of the, you can let the right presence of God move in this house and it put all of us on the carpet. I don't say that erically. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. You've just never been in the right presence of God. You get in the right presence. I'm telling you, your, your knees are getting like jello, buddy. Read that Bible. John and, and Daniel. Great men of God fell on their face like dead men. And so, so what God's done is by the, by God's method, by the, watch this. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. This is a God thing. God set up a fivefold ministry. God put it in the hand of preachers. I had people tell me I can be saved without a preacher. It is absolutely impossible. By the word of God, not by my saying. But it's absolutely impossible to be saved without a preacher. It's absolutely impossible without having a church. It's, it's impossible. You can't do it. We're doing good to do it by these. Well, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, well, I opened up right there, didn't I? But I'm telling you the truth. We're doing good to be saved with the fivefold ministry and with the house of God. God loves us. And God showed his love and mercy and pity upon this city. And he uses a statement. Amen. Because they didn't know from the left hand from the right. They didn't know any difference. But now they do. Now they do. Let's pray. God will love you this morning. Appreciate you so much. God, as your sweet touch and presence has been in this house and visited us and moved upon our hearts, 
our minds and our spirit. God, we're just earthen vessels. As the writer put it, we're just dust. But we're created in your image and in your likeness. God, I pray for each and every one of us. We want to make it. We want to walk in the powers of your beauty, of righteousness and godliness. We want to humble and yield ourselves unto your spirit, unto your voice, unto your word. God, you help us in this end time upon this earth. Right here in Bendale, Mississippi. Every vessel that's under the sound of my voice here this morning. Their hearts would be touched. Their minds would be touched. Their spirits would be touched by the power of your presence, by the power of your word, by the power of your promises. There's hope in you, in your mercy and grace and pity, God, to visit us, not only just in this service, but throughout this day and tonight, tomorrow, a week from now, throughout the weeks and months that we remained upon this earth. I pray, God, that your presence would draw us, touch us, move upon us, and help us. If we're not ready, God, you'd help us to get ready. If we're ready, God, you'd help us to stay ready and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and the touch of God and the voice of God in our lives, allowing your will and your purpose being fulfilled in each heart and each soul in this place this morning. Baptize us with your spirit and will. Be with us today, God, in this baptism, a man of Kate Roberts. God, as you allow him to be baptized in your name, to take on your name, your power would show up. Your glory would show up. We'll give you the honor and the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Amen. Maybe just a little different. Amen. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of foundation and soundness to what's been taught here this morning. Take it to heart, ponder it, come join us across the way. Man, we go back, man, and go to baptize Brother Cade Roberts. God bless you.